Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, Raider Nation? I'll be honest with you guys. I'm running out of words of encouragement for this season, but the Raiders do still have nine more games to go, including this weekend against the Indianapolis Colts. So please welcome David Walker from Stampede Blue, SB Nation site that covers all things Colts. David, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Uh, sort of in the same spot as you, man, but thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Well, let's get into it. And I want to, I'm just curious, how different are your expectations for this game than maybe what you expected like two months ago in like September? Uh, <laughs> night and day. I, you know, I think coming in, there was a lot of optimism uh, within the Colts fan base about what this team could be. Uh, and that clearly hasn't played out. And I think many people looked at the AFC West and thought, you know, top to bottom, this is going to be one of the most competitive uh, divisions uh, in the NFL. And, you know, I think some of that hasn't quite played out the same way that we expected as well. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. And it was funny. I was thinking about it when the, when we first came out with the schedule, you know, this is one, I think a lot of people probably circled as something that's like, wow, this could have quite a few playoff implications on the line. Like it did around this time, or I think last year was in December, but around this time last year. And now it's like, in like a, a battle for the number one overall pick right now. that was not what i had predicted in september for this game for sure for sure i think just about everyone saw the frank Wright uh firing coming it seemed like it was the right uh the writing on the wall but Mm -hmm. absolutely nobody saw the jeff saturday uh, hiring as interim head coach Mm -hmm. do you have any idea what's led to that uh, decision that one came out of left field um the Reich firing was a little bit surprising simply because Ursay has never fired a coach midseason before. Gotcha. Uh, many of us thought, you know, he'll let him ride it out. And in fact, Ursay, a couple weeks before that, had even said that Frank Reich is 100% safe. So um, it really makes you question when he says that anyone <laughs> on this roster is safe going forward. Um, but the Saturday news was the much bigger bomb. Uh, obviously, it is you don't want to see a coach get let go in the middle of the season. Cause it's sort of waving the white flag. You know, the very few franchises mm-hmm. fire their coach mid year and still expect to make a run on for the playoffs. Um, but then to bring in someone uh, obviously has deep ties to the organization, uh, incredible history with the Colts uh, was a fantastic player in his time. Uh, but to see someone that literally has no head coaching experience at the college or NFL level, to come in as your interim and that's not even on your staff currently <laughs> um, the name popped. And I think there was this mixed reaction of, Oh, it's Jeff Saturday. It's like, Oh my God, what is happening? And <laughs> uh, there is still that sort of feeling even now uh, it's, it feels surreal uh, even thinking about it uh, 24 hours later. Yeah. The quote from the the press conference that um, ran on Monday or maybe it was Tuesday. I'm getting my days mixed up here. Was when uh, when Jeff Saturday goes. I had to ask Jim Irsay, why am I being considered a, a candidate for this position? I've done a few job <laughs> interviews. Can't say I've ever asked that question before. So it was an interesting one. But oh, I think exactly. you kind of hit the nail right on the head there, where you're, or hinted at it at least. 
like this is a tank move, right? Like they're just trying to, they're trying to give somebody losses that probably isn't, has no desire of being an NFL head coach. I mean, this is, this is a move to lose. Correct. That would be the most sensible thing. Um, the, but the move is so out of left field, you know, it, it, it has the unintended consequence of ticking off a lot of the coaches that thought they were going to get that, you know, closing window opportunity, especially the guys on staff. Um, you know, you had two former head coaches on staff right now that could have jumped in uh, and, and helped fulfill those duties. So I, I think some of them felt passed up. And even though they knew more than likely you're going to go external for a, a new hire, uh, unless you really run the table, uh, it, it felt like a move that um, was simultaneously sort of conceding that the season is done but also sending just such a weird mixed message to the rest of the coaches that are, that are on the staff. Um, I'm not sure what to make of it. I, I don't know that there's any way of interpreting this as them trying to win the rest of the way. Like <laughs> this is not the move you make if you're trying to still turn around and salvage the season. So it definitely feels like a tank move. It's just the weirdest version of a tank move. Gotcha. Makes complete sense. Well, we do want to talk about a little bit about the uh, the players that are actually going to be on the yes. field on Sunday. So I'm curious about the starting off with the quarterback position. Bench mm-hmm. Matt Ryan a couple of weeks ago for Sam Ellinger. What have you seen from uh, Ellinger so far? Well, um, last week was a disaster. Uh, nine sacks uh, in one yes. game, which set the record for the Colts. Uh, it had very little to do with Ellinger. And, and I don't think that um, any other quarterback would have been much better in that circumstance. Uh, plus, going up against Belichick uh, as a young quarterback is sort of, you know, uh, a rite of passage for many quarterbacks in the NFL. That said, uh, Ellinger's first game actually looked fairly good. He uh, didn't put up monstrous stats, but he looked surprisingly poised, which is, I guess, you know, one of the things you would look for in a young quarterback in their first start. Um, he he obviously was more mobile than Matt Ryan, uh, and he had a surprising amount of accuracy. His passes, uh, I think, you think about a mobile quarterback, a young quarterback taken that late, you would think, okay, the accuracy may be the the thing that he struggles with. But he was actually on point for most of the day. I'm actually really curious to see how he plays in this game. Because, again, I feel like New England, Bill Belichick, that is sort of a a wasteland for young quarterbacks to go play in Foxborough. Uh, So I feel like this is going to be the next sort of benchmark game for Ellinger. So the jury is still out mixed bag so far but uh, i don't know if he's gonna be a franchise guy but at minimum he's a little bit more interesting to to watch so you kind of you kind of talked about my my next question for you which basically is going to be is ellinger have a chance to be the guy moving forward so is are these last nine weeks or whatever he's going to be starting kind of his like audition to to be the guy yeah i I think they're going to give him a a legitimate chance in the same way that you would give any sixth round (laughs) traffic a chance (laughs) very true um, we've seen a lot of guys and look, this is sort of the bias of the, the NFL, right? You see guys who get drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And even if they play well, it's like coaches and front office are just waiting for, uh, the, the carpet to get pulled out from under them before they have to go and grab a real draft pick to, to bring in that guy. So I think Ellinger is going to have that uphill battle ahead of him. Um, but really I, with this tank move, and as you mentioned, I think, you know, both franchises are heading towards a top five pick at this point. Um, 
they're probably realistically thinking if we're in the top five and there is one of those guys there, we're probably going to grab him. So as you know, Ellinger could probably do a ton to help his stock and maybe even be in the conversation for next year. But it's hard to imagine the Colts going into 2023 without thinking about drafting a quarterback. So before we move on to, to whiteouts, if you had to pick who who's under center for Indy next year, I think it'll be a rookie quarterback. And uh, you have you uh, are you on the the Stroud side or the the Bryce Young side or Will Levis wild card over there? Oh, uh, I, I I'm leaning towards Young, but you know uh, we're gonna have to see how the rest of this college football season plays out. <laughs> gotcha. Definitely, definitely. So, like I said, I want to talk about some wide receivers. I want to start with Michael Pittman because to me, he seems like a guy who shows flashes of being an emerging star in this league. Can mm-hmm. you guys can you give us a brief rundown of what his skill set is? Yeah, he's, you know, he's a big bodied receiver. He's got a high catch point. Um, he can, you know, catch in traffic. Uh, I think the the body is a little bit deceiving. It makes you think, okay, this, you know, he's he's mainly a guy that you throw jump balls to, but he can actually move fairly well too. Um, this has been a very difficult season for him and it's, it has nothing to do with him. He's had some unfortunate drops, but really the, the instability of, of the offensive line and of course of quarterback behind that has, I think, reduced the opportunities for Pittman. And really the emergence of rookie wide receiver Alec Pierce has sort of contributed that uh, to that a little bit as well. I still think Pittman has that true you know, wide receiver one potential. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a top five guy, um, but a- as a you know, pairing of two you know, really good receivers, I think he can be a guy that you know, consistently gives you you know, 70, 70 to 80, you know, to, to 90 yards per game when there's a healthy offense on the field mm-hmm. around him. Right now, it's hard to evaluate him completely simply because there's so much so much dysfunction uh, on this Colts offense. You brought up Alec Pierce, who was the next guy I wanted to talk about because he definitely caught my eye at the senior bowl last year. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's had some big plays this year, but I'm curious about what your overall evaluation of been has been so far. He is, I've actually been pleasantly surprised. Um, he actually came out of the gate with a really bad first game. Um, had a couple of key drops, including a drop in the end zone, which would have been a touchdown. Uh, then suffered a concussion, missed his second game. But then since that point, uh, at least with Matt Ryan, he was one of his favorite targets. Uh, he was someone that um, I think stretches, he can stretch the field, I think a little bit better than Pittman does. But he's also really good with that underneath uh, that underneath stuff. So, again, another big-bodied receiver, but he's got a little bit more of that top-end speed to take the top off. Uh, and I think as he has settled in, gotten rid of some of those, you know, the, the rookie nervousness, he looks like someone who, uh, even in his first year, is already beginning to understand the game at the NFL level. Uh, you know, most receivers, uh, you probably know this as, as well as anyone, it takes them a few years before they really hit their stride. So I'm really excited to see what he does over the long term. But the early returns are already pretty promising for him. So I've got to ask this. Is this finally the year that Paris Campbell puts it all together? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, you got to love Paris Campbell from a story standpoint because the guy just could not stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like, it's it just felt like he was you know snake bitten but uh man knock on wood he he's he looks like the real deal uh when he's on the field um and again it's i i keep going back to the the full dysfunction of this offense sort of holding these receivers back um but he has shown 
signs of why he was, you know, sort of heralded as a, a guy who could be a big contributor on offense. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be back in Indy uh, simply because that injury history makes it so hard to want to commit to a guy for long term. But he does look like he's beginning to turn the corner. I, I hope he continues to stay healthy. I'd love to see him get a, a true opportunity. It'd be great if it were with Indianapolis, but it, it's probably going to be elsewhere. Gotcha. I want to talk about running back. And my question, or my first question, oh. I should say, is what's going on with Jonathan Taylor? Oh, man. Um, speaking of dysfunction, look, yeah. uh, JT, I think he's still a fantastic back, but um, there are very, very few running backs in NFL history who can overcome a, an offensive line that is one of the worst in the league. And I think that's what happened this year. Last year, um, you know, his absolutely phenomenal season. I think the offensive line played much better. They lost some key guys that I think contributed that. I think it's undersold how much Jack Doyle at tight end actually contributed to, you know, the running game being successful. Um, And I think, you know, JT, it's a combination of the offensive line not doing their job and also just these nagging injuries, the, the ankle that he sat out for a couple of weeks, came back, and it seems like he just re-aggravated it. And he's, you know, it's uh, it's been a combination of things. But certainly, I still love the player. I still love his potential, um, you know, to anchor an offense. But right now, it's he's another one of those guys that uh, sort of has gotten battered behind this offensive line that has not held their own. So, and I know he missed last week, correct, with an injury. Is that right? Yeah, same ankle injury. Yep. Same ankle. Gotcha. And is that it seems like that's just kind of lingered. So I'm curious if that's gonna uh, if you know if you have any idea if he's gonna be playing on Sunday or kind of what his status might be. They they said it's week to week, but it, it's just seems like it's not fully healing. And it's one of those things where you look at this and you're like, okay, we're we're going in for the tank. Um right. they traded away their, you know, second best second best running back, Naheem Hines, to the to the Bills. Um I would not be surprised if they sit him another week and just try to get him to 100% health before putting him back on the field. I think if they legitimately thought they could make a run to win the AFC South uh, and make the playoffs, that he would be in there this Sunday. I think he's close enough to do that. But given the fact that they're sort of, you know, all in for a top five pick at this point, (laughs) uh, it wouldn't shock me if he's on the bench. So you brought up the Naheem Hines trade, and he obviously had a big uh, role in the offense last year. So I'm curious who's going to fill that role, and is it going to be the same person that might be stepping in for uh, Jonathan Taylor? Uh, actually, I think they're they're going to lean more on Paris Campbell to take some of those receiving routes. You know, okay. Hines out of the backfield was not really uh, a very productive runner. He was you know, he was listed as a running back, but honestly, he he's more of a guy that you get the ball into space. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, a combination of guys like Campbell, Kylan Granson at tight end um, and, you know, going down the roster, looking at guys like Philip Lindsay, uh, the veteran who's, you know, come off the practice squad a few times this year. So they're going to mix it up a little bit. But um, honestly, I think they the move made sense because they really needed uh, they had guys that could fill that role, but they really needed someone to fill more of the JT role. And Hines actually wasn't particularly good at that. So um I hate to see a good player go, but I think he's going to get utilized better elsewhere. And really the Colts needed someone that was more of a direct replacement for uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned uh, Paris Campbell as a potential replacement. Cause if I remember correctly, I think Campbell went to Ohio state as a running back originally and then tra- and converted yeah. to wide receiver. So yep. Not too much of a change there, but 
Yeah, I have to talk to you about the trenches, and I did want to start with Quentin Nelson. I've seen on social media that he's been a shell of himself this season, but obviously that's about as unreliable a source as possible. <laughs> so I'll ask you, do you think he's been struggling this season? Yes. Um, and look, Quentin Nelson struggling is still better than like half the guards in the league. Um, sure. <laughs> but for his high standard, like, you know, you, Quentin Nelson, you expect to be an all pro. Like he's a guy that should be on that list every single week. He's, he's the guy that should be in the top, you know, top three or four names that you're talking about of, of interior offensive linemen. And it's been a down year for him uh, for sure. Uh, we've seen him just flat out get beat at times uh, in ways that he doesn't normally. Uh, we've all speculated on this side about, you know, is it still the back? Is it, uh, the uncertainty at the positions around him, you know, they've got guys that are sort of rotating in at left tackle right now. Um, is it that uncertainty? Is it the scheme? Is it, you know, is, was it the coaching? Uh, he is of all the players on the offensive line, probably the most surprising that is struggling. Uh, he has sort of been seen as a, a bedrock player, but I wouldn't say he's bad because I don't think that's a fair assessment. He's just not playing at his normal, ridiculously high standard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you brought up the uh, the instability at left tackle. And I know, or correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Dennis Kelly was banged up, or been banged up this yes. season, was uh, active last week, but didn't play. I believe Bernard Raymond got the start. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, rookie third rounder got the start. Um and honestly, they did say, I think yesterday or, or maybe yesterday or today that he will start the rest of the year. Oh, wow. Gotcha. So that was going to be my question. Was that, did that have more to do with Raymond's play or Kelly's health? Has Raymond been stepping up in the last few weeks? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's having those left tackle, you know, rookie struggles. And, um, you know, he's a player that I think if you've seen any of the scouting reports, he'd only played left tackle in college for two years, yep. uh, was a, was a convert, I believe from tight end. And uh, really athletic, freakishly athletic for the position. Um, but it was clear he wasn't quite up to snuff, at least from a pass blocking standpoint. He does a really good job of getting out into space in the running game. Um, but from a pass blocking standpoint, it, he they did try him earlier on this year, and he lasted two series before mm -hmm. they yanked him and put someone else in. So I think this is more a move of um, if you're in for the tank, let's see what your young guys have. Uh, let's yep. evaluate guys like Raymond. Let's evaluate guys like Ellinger and see if there's something to build on there or if we need to start thinking about the long term at those positions. Now, with Raymond, I think you don't think that way. You you, you have to just – you're giving him this opportunity to gain real on-field experience. Uh, because, But uh, Dennis Kelly was playing fairly well at left tackle. He does have, you know, sort of a, a lingering knee issue. 
that is probably part of it, but I think a lot of this is more about evaluating the the rookie you drafted. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned Raymond didn't play left tackle until like his junior year in college. And uh, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, he's from, is he Danish or? Oh, he, man. Grew yeah, up you in that. that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I I think he's a Dane, but Dane, don't, yeah. don't hold me to that. <laughs> yeah, somewhere over there in Europe. But my point being, like, he didn't pick up football until later in life, too. So definitely yeah. feel like getting him some experience, especially while the wins and losses aren't as important, would definitely be beneficial. So Absolutely. that's I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. Moving on to the defensive line, DeForest Buckner is the biggest name to know. Is he still the force that he's been in the past at defensive tackle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy is still a wrecker. And even better, he's got a guy next to him this year who – I hope does not get overlooked, but deserves a pro bowl nod in Grover Stewart. Um, the two of them on the interior are absolute wrecking balls. Buckner is, you know, Buckner is Buckner. You always expect him to be one of the best interior pass rushers in the league. And he has, he has held up to that even battling, you know, some nagging injuries this year. It hasn't held him back. I think uh, he's, he is still the high level player you expect. But I think getting some help on the outside from guys like Quiddy Pay, but especially Grover Stewart, who is just uh, – I think he leads the league in tackles at the defensive tackle position, uh, and he's one of the the top tackles in tackles for loss. Uh, so wow. getting that help for Buckner on the interior has really freed him up. So, yeah, uh, in weak interior offensive lines, uh, they, they're absolutely getting eaten up by these two guys. More out of curiosity than anything, was Buckner a guy that was the subject to trade rumors near the deadline, or is he considered like a, a building block of the Colts defense moving forward? We didn't hear anything around Buckner. There were, a, and actually, I, I think one of the maybe the surprising names that some of the folks were talking about was uh, Shaquille Leonard. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the fact that he's sort of coming off of you know back surgery and, and the injuries and getting slowly you know back up to speed um, made that probably less realistic. But Buckner, actually, that front four for the Colts right now, I think they're the least likely to go anywhere anytime soon. So since he played for the Raiders last year, I just have to ask you, how's Yannick Ngakwe been so far? <sighs> it's been hit or miss. Um, Sounds about I, right. He's got four sacks, four or five sacks at this point on the season. Um, but I, I think it's he has these stretches where he disappears. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when he's on, he can actually, you know, really deliver. And uh, but right now, the the better edge rusher for the Colts is, is uh, you know, our first round pick from last year, Quiddy Pay, uh, who has missed missed several games this year due to a knee injury, but um, finally came back this past week. And one of the first things he did was uh, bring in another sack. So uh, in Gakwe, I think right now, if you're to ask most uh, Colts fan, it's been somewhat disappointing. I think they're all still holding out a little bit of hope, uh, but it's sort of, you know, you get these occasional big moments, but, and then you get long periods of, of absence on the field. So would you guys still trade him for Rocky Sin straight up? Oh, you know, I, I uh, probably not uh, given what we've seen and given the fact that, I don't know, uh, the, the corner position has actually turned out fairly well for the Colts. Um, Gilmore is, has been fantastic. You know, I know he's over 30. He's not a long-term solution, uh, but he has been fantastic. Um, Isaiah Rogers uh, has been actually really, really good on the other side of him. So I might still make the trade, uh, but yeah, it's that it's, it's more iffy than I want it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. 
So at linebacker, you mentioned Shaquille, formerly Darius Leonard, is another guy who the Colts have had been banged up this year and has struggled mm-hmm. when he's been on the field. Do you think that's been all due to injuries, or is there there's something more to that? I think it's primarily injury related. Um, it's certainly led to a lot of speculation amongst Colts fans and and our and the writers about you know is has he lost his passion for the game because he actually made that comment um, in the off season. It sort of alarmed a lot of people when he said it and. I think he was trying to say it more from the standpoint that he was in so much pain that it made him question if he wanted to keep playing that way. Um, and this year he got the the back surgery, which is supposed to supposedly helped with the the injuries he was having with his lower body. Um, and it sounded like everything was going in the right direction. It's just it's been a rough season for him. And I feel like he's not, he is still not playing to his normal speed. He's normally a guy that really flies around the field. He looks a half step slower than normal. Uh, I'm still holding out hope that it begins to click towards the back end of the season. But right now they have him on a pitch count because the guys who have been, you know, in there in his stead, like Bobby O'Karake has been playing fantastic football. Um, they haven't needed, uh, Leonard out there. Uh, they really haven't missed him that much. They've been a top 10 defense without him as a significant contributor. And uh, I'm grateful for that. But I think even still, if you have a, sh- a healthy Shaq Leonard on the field, you take him. So the next thing I actually want to talk about was, and I'm going to butcher his last name. So I'll just say Bobby O. I'll let, let, let you fill in the blanks there. Um, <laughs> and he, like you said, he's been having a pretty good year. So can you kind yeah. of just give us a, a little bit of what he brings to the table? Yeah, uh, Okereke, he's he has been uh, really sort of the leader of the that middle part of the field for the for the defense uh, while Leonard's been out. Um, you know, he he flies to the ball. Uh, he is uh, a playmaker, uh, sure tackler, uh, just everything you look for <laughs> like in a linebacker. Uh, in many ways, he has been sort of a direct replacement uh, for Leonard, and really surprising. Like I knew he was a, a good player, but he's taken his level of play. Uh, like to the next level, I'd say right now he's playing like a top five, top 10 linebacker in the league. Um, And he's uh, honestly, he's probably playing his way into long-term consideration with the team. And he's been there for a few years now, right? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So, and uh, this is fourth year, fourth year. Gotcha. Nice. So let's start to wrap up here with the DBs. Stephon Gilmore was the prize free agent signing for the Colts this off season, but has he lived up to expectations so far? Yeah. Um, he has been one of the best signings. Uh, you know, he has been a leader on the field. I think he's a uh, couple of the the victories this year, including one against the Broncos, was almost directly attributable to, to right. Gilmore and what he did on the field. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, when you look at those types of signings, when you go big in free agency, you know, it's sort of hit or miss. Uh, and especially with a veteran at a position where after 30 like it can fall apart really quickly. Um, Gilmore has not been that guy. He has he has played at a high level. Uh, he has been one of the the best signings I think the Colts have made uh, this year. So speaking of free agents, how has former Raider Brandon Faison fared in Indianapolis? He is he is not a fan favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 coaching staff seemed really determined to put him out there. Um, but after four or five games, it just became clear that, uh, he was playing okay, but he was just clearly outplayed by Isaiah Rogers, who right now, my estimation is the second best, uh, corner. And that does include Kenny Moore, who has struggled this year in this new defense. Like I would take Isaiah Rogers, uh, over Kenny Moore. If you're 
talking about long-term, who you want to keep on this team. Um, my, my vote is for Rogers. So Kenny Moore, he was a pro boy last year. You mentioned you've been struggling. What's been the biggest difference just with the scheme and uh, how he's played? Yeah. I think Moore is a guy that's got to be in that, that slot role exclusively. And I think they've had him, you know, sort of moving around um, and on the outside. And the minute you move him outside, like his, it, it plays away from his strengths. Um, and I think that's one, been one of the biggest factors uh, for him is it, sort of playing him out of position. And the fact that, you know, you, you, you paid this guy to be a, a top corner, granted a top slot corner, which is a little bit different from an outside guy. Um, but I, I think they're still trying to find the right rhythm for how he fits into this Gus Bradley defense. I'm not sure they're going to find it. It may just be that he's not a good fit. So this is more of a personal question for me because I love the draft and I love Nick Cross coming out of Maryland. Is he getting much mm-hmm. playing time this year? He got some playing time at the start, but I think what ended up happening was because uh, the team had uh, you know backups in there and Julian Blackman wasn't uh, completely back up to speed, having two young guys uh, at the back end of the defense, especially in the Gus Bradley defense, was just too much. And he did struggle, but I'm I am still very bullish on his long-term potential. Uh, he has basically at this point been replaced by Rodney McLeod, the veteran who has been mm. a stabilizing force with the defense. Um, so I think it was a very good move, but I, I still am big on Nick Cross and his potential for this defense. I, I, I was pounding the table for him. He had a fantastic training camp. I still think that's going to be the case, but you know, in this style of defense, it's a lot for a young guy for that position in this particular defense. So I think next year will be the year where they're going to look for him to take that leap. It sounded like next year it might be a new scheme. Uh, I hope not. I, gotcha. Funny enough, okay. I, I think there are a lot of us who are sort of bought into this Gus Bradley defense um, for all of the pains that the the Colts have had. This defense is not one of them. It's actually been a top 10 defense. They're surprisingly good against the pass. Not as great against the run, but for the most part, this defense has been the not the issue at all. In fact, the only reason they have the wins they do is because this defense, for the most part, has carried them uh, the entirety of the way. I tell you what, I'd say I'm glad to hear that, but seeing as Gus Bradley is another uh, another Raiders departure, it, sound, it sounds more like uh, more frustration for me on that part. <laughs> well, I think he's, uh, you know, that's a year to year thing. So, you know, everyone loves a coordinator until they don't love them. Exactly, exactly. Last question, and I want to circle back to the beginning of our conversation and basically ask you if you think Chris Ballard is the next to get fired. Is Jim Irsay going to clean house, or is he done with just Frank Wright? Man, you know, the fact that um, I brought up that Irsay basically said Frank Reich is is safe, and two weeks later he's gone. Um, <laughs> I, If I'm Ballard, I don't feel comfortable. And yeah. the press conference last night, uh, Ballard looked about as uncomfortable as a human being can look short of having spikes in their back. Um, so I would say 50-50 on Ballard. I think he's done a lot of really good stuff as the GM. He has found some late round players that have turned into, you know, just ballers on this team, but he has missed at key positions, including quarterback. And this offensive line right now is, is a disaster, partly in, part because of what he did or did not do as a GM. Um, so I'd say if, if I were putting odds on it, I'd say it's a toss up, but uh, if I were a betting man, I think he's going to survive, but I think he'll be on the hot seat and expected to help a new coach turn this around pretty quickly 
in 2023. Yeah, I, I felt like that uh, a lot with Chris Ballard. Where it's like he's hit on some great picks, and but if you can't figure out the the most important position in sports, sometimes that's the only one that matters, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, you see a lot of GMs who will last much longer than they should because they got quarterback right. Exactly. Uh, and guys like Ballard who can build an entire roster, but you can't fill that position. You can't win games. For sure, for sure. Thanks for coming on, David. Uh, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NFLDW uh, and our articles daily at StampedeBlue.com. Awesome, guys. Make sure you go follow David out there and Stampede Blue. Like we said at the beginning of the show, Raiders and the Colts might be competing for one of those top picks. So we want to keep tabs <laughs> on the enemy for throughout the offseason. You guys know where to find me, Adam Older 95 on Twitter. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Other than that, until next time, guys. <laughs>